Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. And hello, welcome in. Friday edition of the show, sectional semifinal night across the state of Indiana. And looking forward to being in Seymour for Southern Indiana High School basketball tonight. We'll be on the air at 545 right here on the Big X. We'll have Jeff and Floyd Central in game number one. And we'll come back after that game is complete with New Albany and Jennings County. Jeff, the big favorite in game one. We'll see what Floyd Central can do. New Albany and Jennings County should be a great game. I have a feeling it's going to come down to the final possessions of that game. So a good Friday night on tap at Seymour. We'll be there for both games if you can't make it up. But some really good games. Borden is another great, great place to be. I think if I was rating the places to be on Friday night, if you could just get out and go where you wanted, Borden would be that spot. So if you're looking for a place, consider the Borden sectional. I think it'll have a great, great crowd packed in there at Borden High School as well. But we'll go through all the matchups again coming up here in just a bit. Uh, Glad to have you with us as we head into a big basketball weekend once again and get ready for Indiana and Maryland coming up as the Hoosiers hit the road for an important Sunday afternoon matchup. It doesn't have anything to do with conference standing or NCAA tournament opportunities, but it has everything to do with some momentum here late in the season as Mike Woodson trying to string together some wins to maybe calm down some of the fans and head into the offseason where I think the general thought is he will return, but head into the offseason in a little bit better standing uh, as he enters the transfer portal and recruiting and all the things coming up here. Uh, once we get, uh, what did Alex say yesterday? I think in a week and a half or so on Monday, uh, the transfer portal opens officially. So uh, it's going to be fast and furious. And as the NCAA tournament is beginning to play out, we'll obviously keep up with that and have a lot of fun with that. But we'll also uh, keep an eye on what Indiana's doing. I think they'll get a very active start in the transfer portal uh, this year. Let's look at the show lineup today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one here in just a moment, we'll have our Hoosier headlines, a summary of the day's top IU and Southern Indiana sports news. Uh, Got a big basketball event, Leah McNeely and Montverde are coming to Indiana, to Brownsburg, in fact. We'll tell you about that here in just a few moments. Also, uh, Romeo Langford, an update on him. He's playing for the Salt Lake G League team. We'll tell you how he is performing so far this season. I've had a number of people say, hey, what's the latest with Romeo? Is he going to get back to the NBA? How has the G League been for him this season? So we'll talk about that coming up here in just a few minutes. Also, a tremendous honor 
for IU women's coach Terry Morin with USA Basketball. We'll tell you about that here in the opening segment as well. We'll look into IU and Maryland also on Sunday. Later today, it's Friday. We've got two great guests with us Fridays most of the time. Dylan Wallace, a great friend of the show, former sports editor of the Seymour Tribune. He'll join to talk IU hoops. We'll do that with Dylan in segment two. And then we'll wrap up today with Kyle Nedenrip of the Indianapolis Star. We'll get you set for sectionals tonight. And I want to kind of go around the state with Kyle to some of the bigger names as far as recruits, but also some of the bigger sectional locations tonight. And I know one that we'll talk about is the 4A Noblesville sectional, which has the number one, two, and three teams in 4A basketball in the Hoosier State. And it's already sold out for tonight. The Mill is what the gym is called. Noblesville, the mill, is going to be a sellout tonight. There should just be some terrific basketball there. Those are scores that we'll be keeping an eye on tonight uh, up at Seymour. We'll do all that more today. That's the lineup, the service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Check Honey Baked Ham out today for a great lunch. They've got wonderful sandwiches, salads, and soups that are made fresh daily and will surely satisfy any craving you have. You might even find something else to take home as they have a variety of dinner packages. Give Honey Baked Ham in New Albany a try. I think you'll be glad that you did. Let's look at the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. That is the number for the text line. We'd love to get your questions and comments. You can send them to us. Again, the number 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. All 32-ounce fountain drinks and smaller are only 89 cents. You heard it right, only 89 cents at Thornton's. So come in today and grab a fountain drink from Thornton's and send us a text on the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. Let's get into our Hoosier headlines, a summary of the day's top IU and Southern Indiana sports news. First and foremost, the 2024 Chipotle Nationals, which are probably better known formally as the Geico High School Basketball Nationals, will move to Brownsburg High School in Indianapolis and be held April 4th, 5th, and 6th. What this is is a gathering of some of the top high school programs in the country, most of these programs are not a member of their state association. This is going to be like your Montverds where Liam McNeely plays. Uh, this is going to be like your Laporte Lalamere's where Jalen Harrelson is at. Uh, again, they play a national schedule without being in any kind of state tournament at the end of the season. There are a few state associations that do allow teams to come to this once their state tournaments are wrapped up. But basically an eight-team tournament field of some of the very best high school teams in the country. I think the field comes out. They announced the participants on March 11th. This kind of has the feel of a national championship when it comes to high school basketball. Now, it's nothing official because Indiana doesn't send their winner. Kentucky doesn't send their winner. Uh, Ohio doesn't send their winner. I think maybe Georgia, some of the teams are allowed to play. Also Florida as well. But it's basically a tournament where you're invited to play. They get the best eight teams they possibly can. And they square off over three days and crown a somewhat national champion on the high school basketball ranks. So I think Indiana's a great place to have it. It's a little different that Indiana teams can't play. I, I, I think it's probably standard. Most high school associations aren't allowing that kind of stuff yet, any kind of national situation. But 
Good for Indiana. Good for a basketball state to host this kind of stuff. It was neat over the All-Star game weekend that the overtime elite program, they played some games in Indianapolis. They had a big time set up there at one of the high schools and had all kind of lights and sirens and smoke and some great basketball there. And I'm sure that the uh, Geico, or I should say now the Chipotle Nationals, will be really cool as well. So if you want to see Liam McNeely, you can almost bet that Montverde not only will be there, but will be the favorite to win this tournament, this national-level tournament. Montverde is undefeated this season. They won a big preseason thing playing under another name, I think like the Florida Eagles or something like that, uh, out in Las Vegas back in October, back in the fall, before the, the real high school season began. But they basically have been unchallenged this year. I mean, they had a few close games, but uh, they are undefeated, and Liam McNeely is a big part of that. Of course, Derek Queen, who's now headed to Maryland, a big part of that. Another player I'd love to see in person is Cooper Flagg from Maine, who plays for Montverde, who's expected to be the number one pick in the NBA draft in 2025. He's number one in the country right now as far as uh, high school recruits. And uh, Jalen Harold, and I think La- Laporte LaLamere should definitely be there as well. So uh, you can bet that a number of Indiana targets, whether it be McNeely that's already committed or some other guys like Harrelson, uh, Jasper Johnson, I think Link Academy is expected to be there as well. In fact, I think Link Academy maybe won it uh, a year ago when it was uh, played under a different name at a different location. But a good chance to see McNeely, a good chance to see his shooting up close and personal. Uh, I have not seen him play in person, so I'm definitely going to try to make it up to the Chipotle Nationals uh, and get a chance to see him. But that will be big. Uh, Brownsburg uh, High School will be the host. They've got a great facility there, and will be a lot of fun to see that top-level talent gather in Indiana to play out this big national-level tournament to wrap up the season. Also, I want to mention Indiana women's coach Terry Morin. What a job she's done with the IU women gearing up for March and the chance to watch the women uh, maybe make a run in the NCAA tournament after that win over Iowa a few weeks or a week ago, whatever it's been, where they not only won the game, but they dominated Iowa. I think people are hopeful that this Indiana team can be a contender. I mean, it may be uh, an Elite Eight, potentially a Final Four team. Uh, But good news for Coach Morin. She has been named head coach of the USA women's under-18 national team. So she is going to be the head coach of that program. USA Basketball announced that on Thursday afternoon. I believe the way the release said uh, that her staff will include um, Notre Dame head coach uh, Ivy, South Florida head coach uh, Fernandez. Uh, Moore was an assistant for the under-18 team in 2023. And uh, now as the head coach, it could be a good recruiting tool for her, um, obviously, as uh, she gets the opportunity to coach some of these young players that uh, will be recruitable for her, but also others in that network of top-level players will get to see her, know her. And so a pretty big honor for Coach Morin to get that opportunity uh, to lead the way. I believe that uh, the 24 FIBA Under-18 Women's America Cup is where they start out at which is June 17th through the 23rd of this year at the FIBA Americas. And then from there, they get the opportunity to move on. This is a commitment that goes over the course of a number of years. And um, eventually, you, you hope to lead the team to a World Cup championship is obviously the ultimate goal. So big deal for Coach Morin personally, and really a by, byproduct of her ability to have that role 
it's a big pickup for Indiana as well. Mike Woodson, as we head into the weekend, his uh, job security at Indiana continues to be a uh, big topic. The people that I talk to, a lot of the same people that are on this show, I think the general assumption is, and you know, sometimes assumptions are, are just that, uh, they're not correct, but the general assumption is that he will be back uh, as the Indiana coach next year. However, I do think it's worth noting uh, the national media is beginning to pick up more and more on Mike Woodson and some of the discontent in Bloomington. I saw a tweet from uh, Jeff Goodman of the Field of 68 where he wrote about uh, you know Mike Woodson being on the hot, uh, hot seat, although uh, the quote from his tweet, and there was more if you're a subscriber, but it says, quote, Indiana has no plans to move on from Mike Woodson, uh, end quote. Again, no plans um, isn't the same thing as saying it's definitely not going to happen, but I think that kind of uh, is along the same lines of what we're hearing as well. I know Jeff Berzello mentioned uh, his name uh, in a recent story as well, writing that Mike Woodson, um, you know, obviously is things are not going great at Indiana. So it's interesting to see the national media writing about this as well. And as we head into the tournament, we start to think about the rotation of jobs in college basketball this offseason. Obviously, if Mike Woodson were to go, Indiana would be a huge piece uh, that could really get the cycle upticked even more this offseason. A lot of people wondering about Dusty May, former student manager under Bob Knight. Could he be a potential candidate for the job? Uh, again, I think so. I think he would make a lot of sense, but timing is everything in some of these coaches' openings. And so um, does Mike Woodson have a great offseason? Does he coach another year and then have some success and secure himself for the foreseeable future? Or is there a change after next season? And what does Dusty May do? Louisville, Ohio State, just a couple of the jobs open right now where you got to believe he has already been or will be some level of a candidate at those places. And so you never know what the future can hold and how timing works out. But it is interesting to see this IU situation kind of reach the national media a number of guys keeping an eye on it, writing about it, talking about it. So we'll be interested to see what happens as the Indiana season comes to a close. Also, Indiana-Wisconsin coming up, Indiana-Maryland coming up, excuse me, on Sunday afternoon, Maryland 15 and 14 on the year. They are 7 and 11 in the Big Ten Conference. It's a 2 o'clock game, and it's on national television. It will be uh, televised on CBS. Of course, Indiana uh, broke a losing streak. Got a win earlier this week, 74-70 over Wisconsin. A great performance by Kellel Ware. Also, Trey Galloway from a point guard perspective, I guess you would say, with this assist and leading the offense. Both of those guys had great games. But Ware, 27 points, 11 rebounds, uh, five shot blocks, uh, shots blocked against Wisconsin. Uh, he was the man for Indiana. So if Indiana can beat... Wisconsin, they can definitely knock out Maryland, uh, but again, playing on the road is a tough thing for this team, and it's tough in the conference in general, so we'll get into the IU-Maryland situation a little bit later in the show. A lot of questions about Romeo Langford. What's his status? What's he up to? How are things going with the Salt Lake City Stars, the NBA G League affiliate of the Jazz? He's a starter for the Stars. Uh, I saw in the News and Tribune back uh, earlier or later in February, he had 10.6 rebounds and two steals in one of their victories. Uh, but right now he is averaging 10.2 points this season, 3.7 rebounds, 1.8 assists. 
uh, per game for Salt Lake City and the uh, team continuing action. They play the Stockton Kings on Saturday night before returning home to Salt Lake to take on the Texas Legends on Tuesday and Thursday of next week. So I can assure you, I watched some of that G League documentary, you know, Mac McClung, the NBA slam dunk winner uh, from the G League team down in Florida, what Orlando or Osceola, whatever it's called. Uh, he's been a big part of that. You know, it's it's funded by the NBA. They've really helped the G League kind of become a legitimate minor league and a feeder program to the NBA. But McClung is a great example of a guy that's bounced up and back. And you go from first-class arrangements and travel, private, of course, to flying on Southwest airplanes from game to game and from stop to stop. So there obviously is a big difference in life in the NBA and in the NBA G League. There's no question about it. But Romeo is holding his own. Uh, There was a buzz earlier in the year, even a report uh, from Yahoo's NBA writer that maybe he would get an opportunity with the Golden State Warriors because of his defensive proudness. Uh, That never came to fruition, so we'll see if Romeo, as the season plays on, and what happens in the offseason, if he can somehow, someway work his uh, self back to an NBA roster opportunity in the near future. Sectional games tonight, I mentioned Floyd, 9-13 against Jeffersonville, 16-7. Also Jennings County, 11-13 against New Albany, 16-7 tonight. You know, New Albany's got the better record, but Jennings County's got two shooters that if they are on, they can darn near beat just about anybody in the southern half of the state. So that's going to be big tonight to see how Jennings County shooting is. 3A tonight, your two semifinal games, Madison at 7-16 against Silver Creek, who's 13-9. Although the regular season meeting between Madison and Silver Creek, it was close. We'll see if the Cubs can do any damage tonight. Uh, but Silver Creek, the favorite to get to the championship game. Scottsburg, 19-5. They take on Cordon Central, who's 11-13. Scottsburg remains the big favorite. Favorite in that sectional tonight at Southwestern Hanover, you've got Austin, a seven-win Austin team against Providence, who is 17 and three. Southwestern 21 and three against Brownstown 22 and four. Providence, the big favorite in game one. Southwestern is not bad. Uh, Providence was able to handle them early in the year. Earlier in the year, uh, Southwestern tonight could they find a way to challenge Brownstown? A tough semifinal for the Braves, but they are the better team. So we'll see what happens, and we'll see if we get our Providence and Brownstown matchup coming up on Saturday night. Also tonight, Friday at Rock Creek or at Borden, excuse me, Rock Creek, who's 11 and 11, but a dangerous team. They will take on Christian Academy, who is 20 and four, and the front runner in that sectional. Rock Creek is getting better. They've got a lot of young players. I've said this before. I think they can make that into a competitive game tonight. We'll see if Christian Academy can survive. Borden, the host team, they've got a big challenge on their hands as they take on a very good South Central team. Borden is 15-8. and eight. South Central is 7-16. and 16. I think both of those games could be really good. I think the Borden-South Central game could be fantastic. Also at New Washington tonight, New Washington, the only real local team for us. They'll take on Rising Sun. Rising Sun, a six-win team. New Washington, a five-win team. Can New Washington win and get to the championship on Saturday? The second game at New Washington tonight, nine-win Medora. We'll take on 12-win Trinity Lutheran. Trinity Lutheran 
the favorite by not, but not not by much. You're looking at uh, teams that have six wins, five wins, nine wins, and twelve wins, all in semifinal round games, looking to get to the championship. We'll head to a commercial break. Thornton's line is open: 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Send in questions, comments. Uh, where are you going tonight for sectional action? What are your predictions? Thoughts on Indiana, whatever it may be, 502-414-1450 on the Thornton's text line. We'll be back after this to talk IU Wisconsin and more with Dylan Wallace here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach, who got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back on this Tuesday. Well, Friday edition of the show. I'm thinking about sectional Tuesday, but glad to have you with us on this Friday show. Uh, text on the Thornton's text line uh, are the Seymour video games. Let me get my word straight here today. Are the Seymour sectional games on video? The answer is no. You'll be stuck with just us and our audio broadcast here on 1450 and 96.1. So tune in if you can't make it to the Seymour action tonight. All right. Dylan Wallace, former sports editor of the Seymour Tribune, is with us. Dylan, IU and Wisconsin coming up on Sunday. And as the Hoosiers prepare for their final few home games of the season, the Mike Woodson um, issue, the uh, fire that he is in, uh, the fans in Bloomington that are upset, it's beginning to reach the national stage. Jeff Goodman has written about it, and I've seen multiple things come up over the last few days about uh, this uh, issue blowing br- bl- my goodness, I'm tongue-tied today, this issue brewing in Bloomington with Coach Woodson. Dylan, your thoughts on all that going on as Indiana tries to finish up what's been a rough season? Yeah, it's been really tough. Um, And, you know, I think everyone, at least a few weeks ago, was all under the impression, like, well, no matter what happens, Mike Woodson's going to be back next year. Um, I do think that's still the case, but I think with how bad things have spiraled, you kind of opened up a possibility that people are really starting to talk about, you know, why would they bring him back another year? What can you point to for the direction of the program that's been positive? You know, you're going to lose probably most of your good players from this year. Are you going to be able to bring a Malik Renew back? You know, will Trey Galley want to stick around for his COVID year? Um, How are you going to attack the portal? Will you be able to bring in, you know, some, some experienced players that are really talented you only have one recruit for 2024 coming in. Like all of it together um, has just made, I think everybody look at Woodson right now and be like, yes, they've gotten to the tournament the last two years, um, but both tournament years ended in blowout losses, you know, before the Sweet 16. So, you know, if you're an Indiana basketball fan, you're saying, what is the standard that we're actually trying to reach? And is Mike Woodson going to get us to that standard? And right now, all evidence and all signs point to no. And if that's what you really think, What's the point in keeping him for another year? Um, but it's, So it's really tough. You know, I do think he'll still be back. 
but just the way we've seen this season spiral and, and just the style of play, the, the lack of kind of recruiting right now, um, it's just been all kind of negative. And I guess it would be interesting to see if the losses continue to pile on. You know, they, they had a nice win against Wisconsin on Tuesday. It was great to see. You know, it was nice to see them finally win at home. They're going to have two straight road games here, and they've really struggled on the road at Maryland on Sunday, at Minnesota on Wednesday. You know, if you, if you drop those two games, and you lose to Michigan State on senior night at home, and you go into the Big Ten tournament, and you lose in the first round, you're probably going to be playing Wednesday if you lose these last three as well. You know, if that happens, if the bottom falls out, you know, that's what it, it felt like that in Archie's last year too. You know, the, the bottom falls out in the Big Ten tournament, and you just can't recover from it. You know, would that be the case that could happen? And it kind of reminds me of football too. Early on in the football season, we all said Tom Allen's going to be back no matter what next year because the buyout's too big. But things just got so bad. Scott Dolson moved on from them. So if that happens with Indiana basketball these last that last two weeks, if it gets really, really bad, I guess there is a possibility they could move on from Mike Woodson. I don't think it'll happen, but you know, I think the door is way more open than it was, I, I guess, three weeks ago. Talking with Dylan Wallace, uh, interesting stuff to start our conversation today. Uh, you know, I'm sure Scott Dolson, who just made a change with the football situation in the offseason, will have to at least ponder it, think about it, talk with his superiors about what a plan is, and I'm sure some conversations will or have or both taken place with Mike Woodson uh, here as the season does wrap up. But let's get into the game uh, with Maryland, a road game. Maryland about a 500 team in the Big Ten Conference Coming off of a victory over Wisconsin, all of a sudden this looks like a road game that Indiana, if they can do what they did uh, in the last outing, could maybe come out victorious. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Indiana, you know, they played Maryland once. It was all the way back in the first week of December. They beat them pretty easily at home. Um, so, you know, they, they have, they've had a success against this team in, in the past. Um, you know, that Maryland team early, in early December was really, really struggling. And I think they've they've gotten a little bit better over the seasons went on. You know, they they had some nice wins. They've kind of gotten back to sort of that 500 level, but um, still a very very winnable game for Indiana. Maryland just lost to Northwestern at home uh, earlier this week. This Northwest the Northwestern team that's really been beat up. They have a lot of injuries. You know, Ryan Langborn who who killed Indiana a few weeks ago. He didn't play in that game. They obviously don't have Tyler Berry for the season, and they went into Maryland and won. So. You know, if you're Indiana, you, you're you're healthy now. It seems like you got a Xavier Johnson back, and you know Mike Woodson has been saying all along, if they had Xavier Johnson, the season could have been different. Well, now you have him. So, can you play better? I mean, I think fans are kind of annoyed by those comments, but still, you know, if you have him back, let's see what they can do. They they beat Wisconsin, which was nice to see. If they can carry some momentum in, you know, they should they should be able to at least compete with Maryland. You know, a lot of these road games have just been non-competitive blowouts, and uh, if you go to Maryland and get blown out that's going to be really negative. You know, you, it should be at least be a close game. You're pretty even with them. You're probably better than them. You know, you should be able to hang with them and, and hopefully get a win. You know, then you've strung two together. You're going to a Minnesota team that, you know, is kind of up and down. You beat them once, too. You know, th- there is a chance on the rest of the schedule to, to maybe see some momentum going into the Big Ten tournament. But just with how poorly they've played on the road all season, you know, they, they won that Ohio State game, which – you know, up by 18 or down 18, you know, probably shouldn't have won that one, but they found a way, you know. But they just struggled so much on the road. It's going to be tough for me to see how they could, you know, win both of these games, maybe even just one of them. But, you know, if you're going to win one, you'd win Sunday at Maryland because they're not a great basketball team. You've beaten them once. You should be able to beat them again. Um, so we'll see how it plays out. 
Dylan Wallace, our guest here on this Friday edition of the show. Xavier Johnson was actually a guest uh, of Indiana's for the media yesterday. Does that signal he's uh, preparing his comeback sooner rather than later? Yeah, it seems like it. You know, I think I think he's been, uh, you know, I think I think with Xavier Johnson, it's been nice to see him get back on the floor. Um, you know, I do, I do. You know, you suck that he got injured uh, so much this season, and it seemed like he was kind of rounding a corner after all the flagrant stuff happened. You know, he seemed like he was playing a little bit better. You know, and then before and during the Iowa game, he was playing well. And before he goes up in that dunk and hurts his elbow, um, so that that was kind of just unfortunate. I think he played okay against Wisconsin. Um, you know, he had a good first half, kind of struggled in the second half. He had comments uh, earlier today about how it's still tough for him to dribble with his left hand. Um, you know, with the, with the elbow that that got injured. So um, you know, it's just good to see. You know, he's had his ups and downs with Indiana, and, and the fans are it's hot and cold with how they feel about him, but. You know, with a guy who's you know about to play his last few games of his college basketball career, you just hope he can play well and, and have good moments and at least salvage something. Um, you know, it's, it hasn't been gone the way he envisioned or how he hoped, but uh, you know, hopefully he's able to to finish on a high note. No matter what you think of what he is as a player, you know, you just hope a kid who's played so many years in college basketball can end on somewhat of a positive note and and go out with his head held high and then do whatever he does after that. So that's what I hope for Xavier Johnson. We'll see what happens. Um, hopefully he gets a little more healthy and can play a little bit better. I think he can help the team. You know, I think he, he just gives them more backcourt depth, um, more, more dynamic with the ball, takes some pressure off Trey Galloway, who's been really good, by the way. So, um, you know, hopefully he can end the season on a positive note because uh, as much as it's been tough and a rocky road with him, you, know, you always want to celebrate the seniors on senior night and, and let them have a good time. So let's hope that's the case with him the last few games. Talking with Dylan Wallace in advance of Indiana's game coming up on Sunday. If Indiana could get hot here, if they could win two games in a row or if they could win additional games between now and the end of the season, how does that help Mike Woodson at this point in your estimation? Does it help with fans and the outpouring of negativity right now? Does it help set up maybe some momentum for recruiting or the transfer portal uh, without a tournament run to look forward to? I mean, it would take a miracle, I think, for Indiana to win the Big Ten and get to the NCAA. But what could some wins here help with or signal for this program? Well, I think one thing a few wins do is it probably gets you into the NIT. Um, you know, it probably increases your chances of making that and, and having the chance to play some postseason basketball. And, um, you know, if you can get yourself into that and maybe do well in that, you know, that could always help a team, you know, with, with, with young players who are you're hoping to have back on the roster. It could help kind of build something for, for the next year. Um, you know, we saw it with, with North Carolina. Which obviously, it's a, a lot different. You know, North Carolina was coming off a, a national title runner-up, and then they missed the tournament last year. They made the NIT, uh, and they made a, a good run in it. So, you know, and now look at them now. They're a top-ten team in the country, going to be in the tournament. Now, obviously, Indiana's not, not a North Carolina-type program right now as much as, you know, it feels like they should be holding themselves to those kind of standards. But, you know, if you if you win a few more games in this regular season the rest of the way, you might be able to find yourself in the NIT and play some postseason basketball. And I think if you're Indiana, you have to accept a bid and at least continue to play, try to develop some of these younger guys and get them, get them playing and get them some, some positive momentum into next year. Because if you do win some more games, you're probably keeping Mike Woodson. And so you want to try to build something that you can at least point to and look forward to, whether it's Gabe Cups progressing, whether it's you know maybe a McKenzie and Baco that you, you could hope to bring back another year. Maybe it's a Malik Renew that you – 
are going to make your kind of foundation piece for next year. You know, what, whatever it's going to be um, to, to, to win some more games and, and set yourself up to play even more in March, um, you know, that, that, could be, that could be a good sign, you know. So hopefully, you know, that's what we're all kind of hoping for. And you just want to see the team not give up and play with some pride still. That, that's what made the Wisconsin win um, just kind of nice to see is, you know, they, they lost four in a row couple of them at home where it got real toxic and booze were out. It was just nice to see them kind of play with some pride and, and beat a, a pretty solid Wisconsin team. I know they've had their struggles in February, but still a good team. You know, just to show some pride and, and win that game was just kind of nice to see. It's always nice to see your team win a game every now and again. So, you know, if they can kind of continue to build that, I think it'll help the fans feel a little bit better. But overall this season, I mean, you're 15-13, and 13, you're, you're below 500 in the Big Ten. It's all going to be pretty bad, you know, no matter where this thing shakes out. But, you know, winning helps. So, you know, if you can win and get in the IT and, and maybe do something there, that could they could maybe be a positive. But uh, hopefully this team can at least find something because it's, it's really tough right now. Dylan Wallace, my guest. Dylan, as we wrap things up today, it's time to start thinking about the Big Ten tournament. I think every other day I'm pulling up the potential bracket to see who Indiana could play, what day they could maybe start on, what the scenarios on or are for the Big Ten layout of the bracket. That said, who are you dialing in as your favorite or a couple favorites for a Big Ten tournament title? I've got Purdue as my pick. Who's your pick, and maybe who's your sleeper pick? Yeah, I mean it's it's tough to to not pick Purdue right now. Um, they're they're going to be the one seed. They're going to have it nicely set up for them. Um, you know, I'll be curious to see how Illinois comes together. I think Illinois is is actually going to host Purdue and Champaign coming up. So that'll be kind of an interesting game. I think Illinois is too far to really, um, you know, get get in the Big Ten title race. They need Purdue to drop some games, which I doubt they will do. But you know, if Illinois can can play Purdue tough in Cham in Champaign, uh, that's next Tuesday actually. If that if they can play that game good and give them some trouble, you know, that may, that might make me think, hey, you know, maybe Illinois could make some noise in the Big Ten tournament. You know, I'd be curious to see if a Wisconsin can kind of get some momentum back. They were really good at the start of the year had a really bad February. I think they only won, like, one game. Um, so if they can get some momentum back and, and get in, that'd be fun. And, you know, it'd be fun to see how Nebraska can do. Uh, they, they're they kind of frisky. They, they, they had a, a tough game last night at Ohio State. Um, you know, and maybe even Ohio State could be a sleeper. They've been playing better. They beat Purdue. Um, they've beaten some teams. They beat Michigan State. You know, if, if they have some momentum, you know, they're, they're somehow going to be probably playing on that Thursday. You know, if they're like a – eight, seven seed, you know, they could be a sneaky team that could you could see themselves being in like the semifinals or something on Saturday. So that could be kind of a sleeper, you know, with how well they've kind of put things together after Fryer and Chris Holtman. So that's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, another thing for Indiana is winning these last few games, it probably gets you out of the Wednesday of the Big Ten tournament. You know, you always want to avoid that first day of the bottom four. So, you know, if you win a few games here, you probably can avoid that. But, uh, you know, if, if they go, you know, one and three or two and two, they might still be kind of in the in the bottom four. So hopefully they can get, avoid that and play on Thursday. But, yeah, I think Purdue's the favorite. Illinois, I'll be curious to see how that game goes next Tuesday. But uh, Ohio State could be a, a fun little sleeper with how well they've played lately. All right, Dylan Wallace, former sports editor, Seymour Tribune, great friend of this show. Thanks for being with us. Uh, we'll talk again next week and uh, catch up to you then. Sounds great. Thank you.
All right, Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Love to hear from you. What are your predictions for IU and Maryland coming up on Sunday? And can this Indiana team get to the NIT? I need to look up the latest NIT bracketology. I'll do that over the commercial break. Uh, Stay with us. Kyle Nedenrip of the Indianapolis Star is next. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You know, a basketball hero around here is treated like a god. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back on this Friday show, NITBracketology.com. Yes, there is such a website. Uh, as of the last update, which was this past Monday, no Indiana in the bracketology right now for the NIT. And furthermore, of the 8-10 teams also considered in the realm of possibility uh, for the NIT, Indiana not in that grouping either. So maybe with some wins and a run in the tournament, the NIT could become a possibility. But at this point, it doesn't even look like the NIT is a legit possibility for this Indiana program. Uh, with us right now, Kyle Nedenrip of the Indianapolis Star. Great Friday to talk hoops with Kyle. And Kyle, if you know me and if you listen to this show, you know that on this Friday every year, I really enjoy being at Lloyd E. Scott Gymnasium in Seymour. And we'll get to that gym here in just a moment. But first, if there was another place to be tonight, if I could go anywhere I wanted across the state, it might be Noblesville. It's a sellout tonight, one, two, and three. Uh, the top three ranked teams in the state in 4A basketball are going to be playing at the mill tonight. That is going to be madness and a wonderful crowd and Hoosier hysteria at its finest. Absolutely. You were bringing me down coming in talking about the uh, NIT bracketology, so I was, uh, mm. <laughs> I was all fired up uh, thinking about sectional basketball. But, uh, but yeah, that's a... Uh, <laughs> You know that that scene at the mill tonight is going to be uh, unbelievable. Like you said, it's already sold out as of yesterday morning, and uh, had a coach uh, call me today asking uh, a college coach, you know, how do we get in? And I was like, well, you, you better contact them because it's uh, it's going to be a tough ticket. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's Noblesville uh, has had a great season, uh, but the two teams that have beat them are the two that they're probably going to have to get through uh, to win this sectional. The only two teams to beat them this year. Uh, starting with Westfield tonight, so uh, that'll be a phenomenal game. That's actually the first game, so the 6 o'clock game will be 2 versus 3, uh, Noblesville versus Westfield, and then uh, the, the the capper will be uh, uh, Fishers number one against their rival, uh, Hamilton Southeastern, which, you know, they're not ranked, but they are a very tough uh, team that, you know, played Fishers tough the first time around, and you know, it was a seven-point game, but, uh, you know, it was played even closer than that. So, you know, definitely a chance of a, of an upset there. So, you know, you could have any, any, of, the, any of the possibilities of the, uh, the two teams remaining uh, get to tomorrow night. So, uh, but, yeah, the, the, the scene will be incredible. The atmosphere will be incredible, and hopefully we'll have the games to match. Normally, you know, that does, that does happen, so it seems like it anyway. So I hope, uh, I hope it does, and... You know, regardless, we're going to have a pretty good setup for uh, the this, this Saturday uh, championship matchup. I think, you know, I don't know about you, but this is always 
the two games on Friday night, it's always just so much fun. Um, you know, I, I think it's in some ways, you know, tomorrow there's a little bit more on the line. There's kind of a different, Saturday's kind of got a different vibe to it as well because you don't have a JV game. You don't, you kind of just dive right into it immediately. So that's kind of a unique thing uh, to me. But this is kind of our last Friday night of the season. And to me, it's one of the best nights of the year because you just have so much going on around the state and you're kind of hearing things happening that are crazy and, you know, and, and you have obviously a good game will be in right in front of me or two games tonight. So, yeah, really looking forward to what that's going to be like tonight at Noblesville. Yeah, going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Lloyd E. Scott Gymnasium in Seymour, I know you had a chance to really experience that facility uh, for some big crowds, sold-out crowds during the Romeo Langford times with New Albany playing there, sectional, regional, and semi-state. But to me, that's one of the great ones. I know at times you and I get into gym conversations. You've written books or at least a book about gyms, old gyms in the state of Indiana, so it's uh, something that interests you as well. But Seymour is one of my favorites. Where does Seymour rate up there for you? Well, it's probably, I mean, I, you know, I'm a little bit by, I like South, Southport is, is probably because I've covered so many games there over the years. I really love Southport's uh, field house and it doesn't rise to the uh, size of Seymour, obviously, but I think honestly, Matt, the number one memory I might have in, in all of my, and it's maybe a sore subject down there <laughs> because of who came out on the top end and bottom up, but the, uh, the new Albany Warren game, you know, was just such an incredible atmosphere in game. And, you know, I don't know that there's a better uh, memory in my head of covering Indiana high school basketball than that, than that game. It was, and honestly, the game before that, where you had Morristown and Bar Reeve uh, playing each other and, and that place was packed well before that game started. I mean, it was an unbelievable uh, scene that day. So to be able to experience that, it, you know, it, it you know, people talk about the old days, and the, and I appreciate that history and all that. Uh, but if you weren't there that day or don't appreciate what happened, you know, in 2018 uh, in the, in that town in that gym, I mean, that was just absolutely incredible. Uh, so yeah, it's, it it holds a special place in my and I've covered other games there obviously over the years, mostly semi-state uh, games and you know a handful of others. But it's a great place. I mean. I hate to even rank, you know, it's hard to rank them. I, I mean, I've done that before, but, you know, I, I would put it right up there. I mean, just the, it, it's unique, uh, and, and it's got, it's kind of like a lot of different places. It's got its own, uh, vibe to it. And, you know, and, and, uh, some of those, some of those games, those, those Saturday game, one of my favorite memories too, is coming out of there. And you know, I remember one year in particular, it was like, I walked out of there and it was still during the day and it, and it felt like, you know, like, Oh, the it was nice weather and and it just felt like oh, semi state Saturday. This feels perfect. You know, walking out of Seymour, uh, it's still a little bit of daylight and uh, we just I can't remember who I covered that year, but it just that's a that's a memory that sticks with me too. Yeah, definitely. I would put Seymour one, Southport two, as far as my favorite gyms. There are many others that I like and. Uh, that appealed to me. I just would have to think uh, to get beyond those first two, but definitely my favorite uh, in southern Indiana, or at least the southern half of the state, would be number one, Southport, and number number one, Seymour, number two, Southport. Kyle Nedrip of the Indianapolis Star is with us. Kyle, have there been any upsets this week? Normally always on Tuesday night, somebody gets knocked off in one of the classes, but I don't recall any like major score surprises when I got done broadcasting on Tuesday night. No, there really weren't a lot of, uh, you know, and that that's, uh, you know, something we've been at. So that that should kind of line up to uh, 
you know, maybe lead to some upsets this weekend or, you know, whatever. I think the biggest surprise and really, and this isn't even an upset basically, but, you know, Heritage Hills, you know, going out early, uh, Trent Sisley's, uh, you know, junior year is done. And, you know, and Princeton is a very good team, so I'm not saying that was a huge upset, but that may have been sort of like, oh, wow, because they, they had just beat uh, Princeton last week and, uh, you know, sometimes that doesn't bode well when you have to play a team back to back like that. But, but again, Princeton really good. Not not necessarily a huge uh, upset by any means uh, in that game, but but obviously very notable uh, with with Sicily's team going out. Um, you know, there weren't. Yeah, like you said, I mean, I don't think there was really. You know, basically the top ten teams mostly are still uh, playing this week or playing this weekend. Um, you know, once one. Kind of other minor surprise, I guess, was uh, Mount Vernon lost to Newpal, and, and that had been a game too where uh, Newpal had lost pretty handily uh, the week before. So that that sectional really is wild over there at uh, Greenfield, and you know sets up tonight where you're probably going to end up seeing uh, Newpal play Greenfield Central in uh, Braylon Mullins in the championship tomorrow night. And that that place will be a madhouse. Uh, also, uh, I can't believe that won't be sold out as well. So yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, that sectional is a little bit wide open. Over there, uh, Greenfield beat Anderson on on uh, Wednesday uh, to advance. So, uh, but yeah, not not a ton of uh, yeah, that that kind of stood out to me honestly because normally we see a little bit more. Uh, maybe the wildest one was in uh, uh, Class Three A, where you had I think it was in uh, you had three different teams lose on on buzzer beaters in Sectional Twenty Three up at uh, Mississauga. So that that that's been a wild one up there, and you could argue I think the best uh, three teams: Maconaqua got beat uh, by Oak Hill, Belmont lost to Mississauga, and Peru beat Norwell. And I think all three of those teams were the best three in the sectional. Uh, you know, just judging by you know records and and Sagarin and all that. So you know that was a weird one. I, those three games com- were combined uh, seven points uh, in the first round. So that was that was a, maybe the wildest sectional is at 3A in Mississauga, but uh, yeah, it's been it's there've been some very good games and performances, but not a ton of upsets so far. Great stuff, Kyle Nedenrip, the Indianapolis Star. He is with us uh, Fridays here on the show. Kyle, enjoy hoops tonight this weekend, and we'll do this again next Friday as we get ready. I know it sounds crazy, but head into the regional round of the state tournament next week. We'll talk then. Absolutely, thanks, Matt. All right, Kyle Nedenrip with us. That's going to wrap up our Friday show. We'll be on the air tonight in Seymour at 545 with pregame coverage right here on the Big X, 1450 AM, 96.1 FM, and streaming online at BigXSportsRadio.com. Tune in for both games, and we'll catch you then here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.